This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is is the Go Birds Podcast. Birds podcast presented by Parks Casino and Sportsbook. James Seltzer, Elliot Shore Parks coming your way. Yoey, what's going on, buddy? Man, I really feel like we haven't recorded in forever. I was, I was almost going to say because... that. I was almost going to say that. I was going to be like, it feels like it's been forever since we did this. Yeah, and honestly, it's because the Eagles decided to wait a year and a half for the Nick Sirianni <laughs> press, which... Which is fine. Is their prerogative if that's what they want to do? I'm sure they got a lot to prep him on, which we will get into. And uh, so they'll do it on Friday. We'll have GoBirds Radio on Saturday. So we'll be able to get into it. But literally every day this week, we've been texting like, all right, well, it'll probably be today. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's Thursday. And now here we are. So feel like it's been too long. But, you know, the stock market completely blew up in that time frame. So wow, there's some stuff dude. to follow. It, is, it has been wild, this whole GameStop thing. though. It's It's just... Wow, I wish I had, had had been in on it. I'm not a, a stock market guy, Elliot, so I've been following well, from afar and feeling like I missed out. What I was thinking is, how convinced would I have to be for someone to say to me, all right, Elliot, GameStop is about to explode. <laughs> invest, invest substantial amounts of money into it. And I just think I would forever be too big of a coward to actually be like, all right, here's $5,000 to invest. Like, I can't imagine me putting any type of substantial money in it. But man, it is fun to think of what it would have been like to do it. And then a day later been, you know, a multimillionaire. Can but we'd still imagine? be recording the pot either way. Yeah. Did you I see would. the one guy, like the guy who started it, he had a $50,000 position in Bitcoin or in a, in a GameStop. And it ended up being worth 22 million by the end of that day. Like insane. Man, it's insane, man. So anyway, I mean, you got to have a lot of, a lot of disposable, disposable cash income, to mess like. around with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no doubt. GameStop, Nokia, AMC, like, but yeah. So a lot has happened since we yeah, last recorded. It's been a while. Neither of us became billionaires. No, sadly. well, that's the point. We're still here. We're still talking to you. We're not going anywhere because neither of us made a bunch of GameStop money. Um, all right, let's and we get... wouldn't anyway. No, no, we wouldn't go anywhere anyway. Exactly. Um, all right, uh, let's get into it quickly before we do though. Uh, right in view of the podcast, we are at. 1,530 five-star reviews. For those who don't know, if you're new to the pod or new-ish to the pod, once we get to 2,000 reviews, Elliot and I are going to go 
sit in a room with a bunch of high school kids and take the SATs. We'll do videos of it heading in. We'll we'll post our scores online. Like the the shame and humiliation potential for this is immeasurably high. And all you have to do to get us to do it is write a little five star review for the pod. You don't have to say much. Just give us five stars. We're I, cool. I really think we should get Parks Casino to set like a over under <laughs> on our score. <laughs> You know, like, People like uh, we could do the it. different sections. This is you a could great parlay idea. the math with the writing. And, I like, love it this. Would, it, this might be yeah. the best idea of all time, Elliot. We're going um, to have to talk so, to our friends at Parks, you know, Sportsbook and see if we can set that up. A- absolutely. The other funny thing, or I should say terrible thing, is we haven't been talking about the reviews as much because for like a month and a half, Apple crashed and they weren't uploading any of the reviews, which was devastating for me emotionally, obviously, throughout this process. But <laughs> to, then they to be all fair, uploaded I had no idea that this happened because <laughs> I never right, check them. Right. But uh I so they all uploaded at once and there was a ton of really good ones. Uh we'll go we'll get into more another episode. Two of my favorite were one, this person what left a five star review, said they love the pod and they only want to. They only left a review so that it can be documented how dumb I am with the SATs. So I appreciate you know, the the love and hate of that uh, review. And then the other one, hey, which whatever, might whatever nicely, it takes, Elliot. Whatever it takes. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it takes. Um, but the other one is uh, someone wants to know when Howie's son turns twenty one so that he can make him the next head coach. So the, <laughs> the Gobert listeners are in good a good place emotionally. I'm, I'm right laughing. I'm laughing because I'm too scared that that could actually happen. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a fear yes. laugh right there. So please rate and review the pod. Uh, we will read some reviews on the next pod, like Elliot said, once we can kind of get a handle of the new ones that have come in. But either way, rate and review the pod. We'll take the SATs. All right, let's get into it. We'll talk about Carson Wentz in a, in a little bit, as there's been a lot of chatter about Wentz, a new article about Wentz, all the... It's unbelievable the amount of Carson Wentz content that we have consumed since the end of the season. Yes. But we got a new coaching staff, and we are going to hear from Nick Sirianni tomorrow at noon. Elliot and I will talk about that on our show on Saturday. It'll be the, the crux of what we talk about. But but we also, since the last time we spoke, we've, we've got a uh, almost full coaching staff, still waiting on like special teams coordinator and a couple position coaches. But for the most part, the, the core of the coaching staff has been form Jonathan Gannon the defensive coordinator uh Shane Steichen the offensive coordinator um Kevin Batulo passing game Brian Johnson just signed, signed to be a quarterback coach we'll go through these guys specifically but off the top Elliot just looking at the group that has been put together what are your initial takeaways from the new Eagles coaching staff so there's a bunch of them and I think that we would you know I think the first thing we have to mention is just the fact that the head coach is white the offensive coordinator Absolutely. is white the defensive coordinator is white the passing game coordinator is white. Uh, the quarterback's coach is not. But, you know, I, I do view Jeffrey Lurie as a very good owner. I know from a football perspective, we're on different wavelengths with that right now. But as a person, and, and you know, frankly, for you, someone that worked or worked, right? Not yeah. interned, but like no, was I with the organization the for a little bit. Like, you know, like Jeffrey Lurie, I believe, is a good person in a lot of ways. I, I've always thought that from afar. I'm not going to pretend to know him personally. And I don't think he is racist or anything like that. But, you know, for someone that talks about being a progressive owner and like kind of making sure that, you know, minority candidates are represented in the league, I just think we have to bring up the fact that it's been a very long time since he hired an offense coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach. And I'll just be interested to see what his explanation of that is when he eventually does talk, because he's going to be asked. And I think he has to have a really good answer because the proof is kind of in, you know, in the pudding for lack of a better phrase when it comes to, uh, the fact that once again, the majority of their staff is white. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's one of the very first things that anyone would notice when the pictures of the staff are being tweeted out. Like 
it is very clear it is a homogenous looking group of guys. And yeah. to your point, for Jeffrey Lurie, who is someone is seen as an, a more progressive owner, at least certainly more progressive than others, um, like there's no way this isn't a bad look for him. Like it just is, you know? I mean, we are yeah. especially, it's a bad look for the NFL period right now, as we all know. I mean, David Culley gets hired. Uh, that's one black coach hired in this hiring process. But there is such a clear, clear issue in the NFL. And look, it, it relates to things we've talked about on this pod before, the the systemic racism and oppression in America and all that type of stuff. It is harder for, for black people to get to positions of power in a lot of industries. And we see it in the NFL as well. And I think it's it's alarming, certainly here in Philadelphia, well, to be a part of that, especially when, you know, you've had some some quality black candidates in house. Um, you know, it, I, I think it, you have to you have to raise your eyebrow at it. You know, I'm not saying Jeffrey Lurie that it's a purposeful thing or whatever, but it, you raise your eyebrow at it. It doesn't look great. It is what it is. Yeah. So. Um, and I think and especially, the by the way, real is, quick, real quick, he needs to stop talking about how he hired Ray Rhodes. We get it. We get it. You hired yes, a black coach over 20 years ago. Like, you got to stop. You got When that question Brett's brought up, that's his first thing. He's like, well, I hired Ray Rhodes. It's like, man, that's a long time ago. It's been 20-plus years since you had a full-time black head coach or coordinator on this team. Like, that's just too long. Facts. Right. And so one of the reasons that uh, at least – it used to be. I mean, it's happening a, a little less, I guess, because you look at the Super Bowl, right? And Brian Leftwich, uh, Eric Bieniemy, they're both, uh, you know, Todd the coordinators Bowles. there. They're yep. both African American. Yeah, Todd Bowles. But even just from an offensive perspective. But one of the problems used to be that, you know, African American and minority candidates were not getting an opportunity to be coordinators, and that was impacting their ability to become a head coach. And I think that that is part of the reason Deuce didn't really get probably serious consideration or has never been looked at as a head coach outside of the Eagles. It's because he was never made a coordinator, right? So the Eagles have not hired a lot of head coaches under Jeffrey Lurie. If you look at the fact that Andy was here for so long and then clearly a little more recently with, with Chip, Doug, and now Nick Sirianni. But the coordinators, I think, are especially important to point out because you know, the coordinator, he's never hired a black uh, offense coordinator and he's never hired... Uh, on a defense coordinator as well. I know Todd Bowles was an interim for a while. So I just think that's part of it. But, you know, uh, from outside of that, though. Well, also, real quick, well, real quick, one last thing on that. The NFL, like the newest addition to the Rooney Roller, the newest for these, the Fritz Pollard Alliance and all this stuff, the newest thing that they've added to the NFL, and we saw it play out with Robert Sala getting a job and David Culley getting a job, that the team that has those black coordinators, it's not the team that hires a black head coach. It's if you have a black coordinator or a minority coordinator hired away from your team, you get draft picks. So the NFL is now incentivizing teams to make coordinators minorities, and it's a very good thing, and I hope it bears fruit. But regardless, and, and look, teams shouldn't need that to, to put uh, you know minorities in right. coordinator positions, but that is something that hopefully will, will start to change things because it does incentivize you. And if you get draft picks when your coordinator gets a head coach job, if he's a minority, it incentivizes you to put those people in those positions, hopefully. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what Jeffrey says about it uh, when he does. I'm assuming he'll speak with Nick Sherriani on Friday. I guess I'm it's not, not a guarantee. I'm not. For what it's worth, I'm not. I yeah, think it's going to be now Howie that I say and it, I mean, they didn't say he would be available. They just said Nick Sirianni. Yeah, but I think if anyone's up there with him, it's Howie. But it might just be Sirianni. They might just want to put him out there and let him be himself for the first one. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Usually, I mean, you see the GM. Usually, it's the GM and the head coach doing those types of. Yeah, things. but I don't know if they want this to come across as Howie's hire. Right, right. So yeah. I, I wonder if maybe they would put Larry up there, but. You know, regardless, Lurie will speak eventually. I'll be interested to see what he has to say. Um, the other takeaway, obviously, with the overall coaching group is just how young they are. 
I mean, Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steichen, uh, Kevin Petullo, Brian Johnson. Uh, I don't know how old Tracy Rocker is. He he looks like he might be a little older than the the other coaches. I know he's he's coached for much longer. But but regardless, these coaches are almost all under forty. All of the ones that are you know in in a high up position. Nick Sirianni's under forty. Jonathan Gannon's under forty. Shane Steichen's under forty. The passing game coordinator is under forty, and Brian Johnson's only thirty four. So that's to me like there's positives and negatives to that. The, the positive is I do like the idea of having a young staff that can grow together that you believe are good coaches. And if they are good coaches, then you hope that they're here for a while and you don't lose them, but they can kind of grow together. They have a lot of familiarity with Nick Sirianni. I believe they've – Gannon has, Steichen has, Petulo has, Brian Johnson has not, I believe. He's the so only they one. Do have, yeah. Yeah. So they do have some familiarity, uh, which is good, but – you know the other the other side of that is when you look at when they adopt when they brought Doug in in 2016. Doug was surrounded by Jim Schwartz, who was uh, I believe over 50. Frank Reich, who was over 50. Like he, they were surrounded with older coaches that had experience, and I think that really helped Doug. And he's talked about that. So Nick Sirianni is the veteran of the group. Like Gannon's younger than him, Steichen's younger than him, uh, Kevin Petullo is younger than him, Brian Johnson's younger than him. So I, you know, one thing we talked about with Sirianni when they were hiring him was if you hire someone so young, he's going to be in a, in meetings with guys that are twice his age potentially, or, you know, considerably older. Well, that's not really going to happen. I mean, Jeff Stoutland is older than him. Maybe he's going to be that veteran type guy. Maybe that's why they decided to keep him, but it's an extremely young coaching staff and we'll get into Carson with, with that part of it. But I, I mean, it's pluses and negatives. Like it could completely implode or it could turn into be the next like Andy Reed, young coaching staff of rising stars. But yeah, I don't think we, we yeah, I think it's hard to judge the guys individually. We don't know a ton and we'll go into some of the backgrounds and it does seem like Jonathan Gannon was going to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL for somebody like he seemed like a pretty yes. hot name. Uh, Shane Steichen was an offensive coordinator in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers last year, but not the best reviews from people there and, and fans and all that type of stuff. But we'll get into the, the specifics of those. But I, I I just wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. And, and we don't know which way it can go because we don't know how great these coaches are, but it is a concern for me. I'm older than everyone except Sirianni, Elliot. Like Nick Sirianni's, oh, wow, three, right. Nick Sirianni's three months older than me, and then I'm older than the rest of the Eagles coaches. First time in my life. Yes, I feel old, but I'm not that old, and that's what makes time it crazy. Flies. Yeah, that's yeah. what makes it crazy. Um, well, Br Brian Johnson's only a year older than me. Yeah, I mean, other ones are you know five or six years older, but. And look, Brian Johnson, I'm sure I can just tell from watching different videos of him and stuff. Seems like he's, you know, I'll just flat out say it, probably more of a man than me, more I of like a leader. I love this right? guy. Yeah, we'll get into him. I love him. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but I mean, you know, they're not, maybe they're not going to have a much of a veteran team. Who knows? Like they are an older roster. So some guys are, are going to have to be around. But I just, my top takeaway too is just like, what are you going to have a 39 year old, a 35 year old, another 39 year old, and then 34 year old Brian Johnson? They're going to be the ones that all of a sudden coach Carson up. Like, I'm well, skeptical. Well, yeah, we'll get that. to the Carson thing. We'll get to the Carson thing. But one other thing too, just the ideas we talked about prior that you mentioned, like, I absolutely thought that for Nick Sirianni, 39-year-old, first-time ever head coach. Like, Nick Sirianni is not just a first-time NFL head coach. The man has never been a head coach at any level. High school, college, nothing. Like, he's never been a head coach before. Now, his family is head coaches and all that type of stuff. But the guy's never been a head coach before. I was sure. I was positive. The Eagles were, whether it's Wade Phillips, whether it's some other, you know, old-school defense coordinator or whatever, like, uh, Jim Caldwell's the offense coordinator. Like, I was sure they were going to bring in somebody who's been a head coach before, who's been around the league forever, or just somebody. 
to add a touch of of real long-term NFL experience and and head coaching experience and all that to this staff. So I do think that is is a is a bit of a concern. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, not not just that, but Nick Sirianni's never called plays. Shane Steichen. Another good point. Yeah. Uh, he was an offense coordinator for one year. Did he did he call plays he in did. LA? He did call plays, but but apparently there were for a one lo- year and a lot of issues with it. Like a lot of complaints. Even Anthony Lynn kind of called him out in public about it. So it right. didn't go great. Apparently a lot of too much running on early downs, not and and for the people who are like, well, he had Justin Herbert. Every and who knows, we're not there. We don't know specifically, but literally everything you read, everything you hear is that Pep Hamilton, the quarterback coach in Los Angeles, was far and away the biggest reason for Justin Herbert's success this year. Like I saw quotes from people who would know saying it 99% Pep Hamilton. So, you know, the the right. one thing that you get excited about, oh, he was it was Herbert's offensive coordinator. Even that, it doesn't seem like he had a lot to do. But let let's dive into some of these backgrounds, is you know, kind of let people know who they are. Why don't we start with Steichen? Um, mm-hmm. was an offensive coordinator for the Chargers last year. Outside of that, you know, not that old, as you said. Um, you know, has worked with Sirianni in San Diego back when they were the San Diego Chargers. Um, what do you think of Steigen's background? So, uh, other than the obvious that I just don't like that he's only 35. I mean, maybe he's a great football mind. We didn't get a chance to talk to these guys yet. The Eagles have. Uh, Sirianni knows them. So, you know, I like that he's getting input on his staff, but I would have preferred a veteran guy there. I would have preferred somebody that, frankly, can be a bit of a safety net if Sirianni is not good. Like if, if Sirianni gets in the building and he can't handle the job as head coach or he's doing a terrible job play calling, like I would have preferred a safety net there. Um, I like that they've worked together, but I'm also like – I don't know. I, I, I'm skeptical of the hire overall. Like, if you have Justin Herbert as your quarterback and you're not retained, like, to me, that's somewhat worrisome. You mentioned the fact about the the running plays and such. And I'll just say overall that the Chargers seem like a team that routinely get clowned about, like, their offense oh, and how they're running yeah. stuff and decisions they make decisions. in big moments. And some yes. of that is on Anthony Lynn, obviously. But, you know, it's kind of like when they, when they brought in um, – Scangarello, and it was like, all right, well, this guy's coming from a failed attempt. And I'm not saying Shane Steichen failed in Los Angeles, but, you know, Pep Hamilton, right? If you're bringing him in, you say, okay, this is a guy that he's getting a promotion. He's someone that worked hands-on with Justin Herbert. Like, Shane Steichen, to me, I, I we'll see, and I like that Sirianna picked him, but I can't get excited about this hire. Yeah, and Pep Hamilton also, like, worked with Andrew Luck. Where, I mean, Pep Hamilton's yes, got history. Exactly. Like, he's someone we know. Um, yeah, I, I have the same interpretation of Steigen. Of all the hires we're going to talk about, it's my least favorite one, the least compelling one to me, the least exciting one to me, particularly, again, for a first-time head coach, first-time play caller. I would have wanted someone with a little more oomph, a little more history, a little more experience. Like, that's the word I keep coming back to, and that's the thing with the Sirianni hire in general, where it's like, I like, again, what I've heard about Nick Sirianni, the coaching background. He seems like a likable guy, all that stuff, but... The, you know, the big question, and it seems like a lot of people thought he was eventually going to be a head coach in the NFL. The question is, is it too soon? Is he too young? And I think the way you mitigate those type of things is by putting experience around them, having people to lean yes. on who have gone through these things. So I, I think Steichen is the OC, younger and less and- experienced than Sirianni is a concern. And especially considering the, the one-year trials in OC we've seen didn't go great. 
And I mentioned, you know, uh, having an offensive coordinator that's older as a safety net in case Sirianni fall, fails, but also just to help him, like, grow. And someone that's, like, been through a season as a head coach and can give him little tips totally. and stuff like that. Totally. So, so, yeah, I would have preferred a, a veteran guy there. Or if you're going to go younger, it better be someone that's, like, a stud candidate. And I don't think I don't think Shane Steichen no, is like a No, like a Graham Harrell, like somewhere where you actually hear a lot of people talk about this offensive mind and how, you know— how excited they are, and they're an up-and-comer and all that. That's never been attached. Just, I mean, it's more Sirianni, also, obviously. Also, you know who he looks like? Who does he look like? Uh, da Dak Shepard. Remember Dak? Oh, from, like, yes, MTV you're right. He, do he really like, does. Yeah. yeah, he's married to Kristen Bell. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, so I like that. Look, That's a good call. I never thought that Dak was that funny. Dak Shepard was I didn't that either. funny. I never liked him. I, I actually uh -oh, I kind of like him as a human. They seem to have like an actual real great relationship, and he seems like a likable guy. But I never right. liked anything he did. Yeah, like he did punk, right? Wasn't he the initial punk? He, yeah, no, it, yeah. BJ, no, BJ uh, was Ashton Kutcher, but BJ Novak was in the original punk. I think. Uh, I think Dax okay. was the second year. It, it's one of the two. It might have been he was original. BJ Novak was the second, but either way, he was definitely Wait, part of it. BJ Novak from the Office. Yes, BJ Novak from the Office. Wow, Before I didn't know that. Office. That was yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, let's get to, and by the way, quickly, just, just in the concept as we're talking about all these guys that Nick Sirianni knows and worked with, just on a basic level, and I know the press tailor of it all and, and you know, Doug not being maybe the best at it or whatever, but just the fact that Doug Peterson won a freaking Super Bowl here and couldn't pick his own staff, and this 39-year-old with no experience comparatively and all that stuff steps in and just gets whoever he wants is crazy. To me, and I do think well, it was partially an overreaction to the heat that they got about the staff stuff. I almost feel like they wanted the world to know, hey, we're letting him pick a staff. That's what I think. Well, let me let me push back on that a little bit, because I, I agree that these guys obviously have more of a tie to Sirianni than Doug's initial staff did. Right. Oh, no but question. Jonathan Gannon was getting offers elsewhere to be a defensive coordinator. So although he's a tie to Sirianni. I also think that could have been a hire. And there was rumors that maybe McDaniels was going to bring him in as his coordinator. So I don't know if I view that as like a let Sirianni, let Sirianni pick his guy hire. Shane Steichen, I, I guess, that that one I, I would put under like the Sirianni bubble. Uh, but I don't know if Brian Johnson is. They don't have any history together as far as I know, right? So And that's an important hire. So I think it was a bit more of a combination then maybe you're making it seem out to be. But yes, it is weird to think that Doug didn't get to pick his staff, even if we didn't like it, and Sirianni got to pick parts of his. All right, let's get to Gannon, as that is uh, does seem to be the one that is most um, like a high-end hire, so to speak, as you talked about. I mean, there were reports that Brandon Staley wanted him as his offensive coordinator with the Chargers. There were reports that even if Josh McDaniels got the job instead of Nick Sirianni, that he was going to bring Gannon. Like, this is a guy who is clearly... Um, got a, a very good reputation around the league. Why? Well, uh, up and coming, as you mentioned. But I, I also, you know, when you when you look at what he did in Indianapolis with the secondary, he got career years out of Xavier Rhodes when he was there. Um, and, you know, the Colts defense was really good. Now, none of these guys other than Steichen have been coordinators, so we don't know for sure that Gannon is going to come in and run what he did in Indianapolis. He could he could come in and decide he has, you know, all these different ideas he wants to do he's never been able to do before. But he's probably going to run a 4-3. He did a lot of, you know, two deep safeties, not a lot of man, which I think is interesting considering the Eagles just traded for Darius Slay strictly so that they could play more man. So, I don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, Slay's an obvious, obviously a very talented cornerback. Maybe they will keep him in man. But if you're going to have him drop back into zone, like, I don't know. Is, is he really – I'm sure he can do it, but are you really getting your money's worth out of him 
if you're having, you know, a $14 million a year cornerback play zone. So Also along those lines for the draft, a lot of people, Patrick Sertain as a name to the Eagles, if they are going to run a lot of zone, that's probably less likely they draft a quarterback, cornerback with that pick. Yeah, I don't think they're going to draft a corner. I don't either, but I mean, it is a possible. name that's You don't know how the draft's going to fall, but I, I just personally don't think they're going to. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with Gannon. I guess of all the hires, he would probably be my favorite. I mean, I do like the Brian Johnson hire, but I think Gannon's someone that in an offseason where, you know, we talk so much about how guys didn't want to come here or they weren't able to get the top candidates. It does feel like part of the Nick Sirianni hire is they got Gannon as well. And I think that uh, Gannon, it's just attractive that he's somebody that other teams were interested in, which, you know, you don't see the Eagles people bring in. Eagles do not bring in coaches like that often. So yeah. I, I think it's a good sign. Yeah, no, that I was excited about that one, too. Just be, again, we don't know these guys. We don't know. It's not like we're watching the Colts every week and analyzing their secondary play. You know, it's tough. Right. But I, I like th- there was a lot of buzz about this guy. Like this is a, a like we talked about with what we wanted if they were going to hire a young offensive coordinator, like one of those guys that's looked at as an up and coming star in their field. Gannon looks like that guy, and and we don't know. We might not be great, but it does seem like from an excitement level, you can get excited about at least the potential of that. All right, I want to get to Johnson in a second because I, I think that's the most compelling hire for a number of reasons, and, and I love it. But quickly, uh, Kevin Petullo brought in as a passing game coordinator. My guess is that's just so they could give him a title that he could leave with potentially. But regardless, what do you think of Petullo as, a, as kind of an extra man on the offensive side? So, first of all, do you remember the singer Jason Derulo? I do. So, I've literally had, like, Kevin Petullo in my hand, <laughs> in, in my in my head for, for days since I hired him. Nice. I just can't get it out of my head. So, that is my top takeaway with Kevin Petullo, <laughs> is just his a name. Good, it's a good sign. Sounds just like Jason Derulo. Um, I mean, this one, to me, screams the biggest, like, Nick Sirianni brought him in. I, I, I feel like Kevin Petullo... Might have been in those videos with Sirianni, um, but but regardless, look, I think the only noteworthy thing from him is that he's someone who's viewed as specializing in the RPO, and you would think that that would lean towards Jalen Hurts as opposed to Carson. I don't think Carson is much of a RPO threat, so you know that that's kind of the only really Kevin Petullo thing that I would know about him. All right, I want to get to Brian Johnson in a sec because I think it is a, a very compelling hire for a lot of reasons, but first. As I always tell you, if you have not downloaded the Parks Casino Sportsbook app this late into the season, you have to do it now. If nothing else, for the big game coming up. That is so, it's going to be so much fun. There's so many things to, to bet on. We'll talk about the game tomorrow in our Parks Picks pod. We'll, we'll talk about the line and kind of how we see the game shaking out. Next week, we'll go through all the player props and all that. But you can bet on anything and everything related to it. All this awesome stuff. With the Parks Casino Sportsbook app, like you, we all love the home teams, and that's why we go with our home team and have the home field advantage when it comes to sports betting. Our team at Parks Casino Sportsbook is right here in Bucks County. That means your action, your money, are safe and secure on the easy-to-use sports betting app. The only sportsbook app backed by the number one casino in the whole state of Pennsylvania. Again, you can bet on player props. You can bet on who's going to win. Of course, you can bet on uh, anything and everything, future bets, you know, who's going to win MVP, all these types of things. You can bet on it all with the Parks Casino Sportsbook app. Tomorrow we will get a Parks pick, Parks Parks pick from Elliot on our, our uh, gambling pod that we do tomorrow. But for now, download the app. It's fun, it's easy, intuitive to use, and you can play along with us and have fun. And here's the deal. If you sign up now, you get a risk-free bet of up to 500 
$500. Download the app or go to parkscasino.com slash PA and use our promo code GOBIRDS. That's G-O-B-I-R-D-S to get your risk-free bet of up to $500. Again, that's P-A-R-X-Casino.com slash PA. The website has all the details. Your risk-free bets for fun and on your losses. A free bet, as always. You must be 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Elliot, the Brian Johnson hire. Well, sorry, re- really, really quick. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. we're gonna get. I know we're gonna get into uh, more of the the park stuff uh, in the parks pod. But I gotta say, if you're if you're listening, you're downloading the app right now. You're putting in the code Philadelphia plus sixteen hundred to win the win the title. To me, is a good bet right now okay, when you no. look around like the different odds of teams around them. So I would just I would take a look at that. Look I'm not that. just saying that coming to be off like, a big uh, win I, last night. Look, they, yeah, yep. I, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on them, but those are those are good odds. Like plus sixteen hundred, especially with some potential moves to be made. Like if they make a Bradley Beal trade, you know, all of a sudden you're gonna be super happy to have that plus sixteen hundred. I mean, the, the Bucks are plus six hundred. Yeah, the, like the Sixers are better than the Bucks. So you're telling me I don't know if they are. I don't know if they are better. Uh, you're a huge Bucks fan, my bad. No, I just look. I evidence the last few years the Bucks have been better, like flat out. But and I know the Bucks uh, have, I mean, have they even the been playoffs. out the second round. Yeah, they went to the they lost to the Heat last year. In the playoffs, I think was that, that was. The, the that was round. You're right. It was the They played the Celtics in the last round. Regardless, look, right. they have the Sixers been out of the second round. No, so no. All right, but I'm saying plus one's plus sixteen hundred. Well, I agree from a bet perspective. Yeah, you just said the Bucks were better, but regardless, right. I will. I will. It's a much be- I will, this, I will say it's a bet much bet. better bet to bet on the Sixers at plus sixteen hundred than the Bucks at plus six. Not even a question. Yes, I would also bet you even odds that Milwaukee. Will not win the title this year. Oh, I don't like, think. That, I think. I. I think LA is winning the title. But regardless, I, I. They wouldn't be my top choice from the East either. But I think you'd have. I think I would probably go New Jersey, uh, Milwaukee, Philly from the East right now. First of all, t- we. You know, you started the pod by talking about how you're only older than one person on the staff or whatever. New Jersey, buddy. Oh, New. Oh New my Jersey. God, what am I doing, Brooklyn? Jeez, yeah. Louise. Yeah. Come on. That was that was that was tough right there, Elliot. But you know what? We don't edit that kind of stuff out. You see us warts and all at our worst. That was that was (laughs) exactly. Look, I'm old. I grew up with the New Jersey Nets. All right, it is what it is. Kenyon Martin, Jason Kidd, Terry Kittle, or whatever his name was. Yeah, one sock up, one sock down. All right. Yep. Um, That's enough basketball talk. Let's get to to Brian Johnson because this hire to me, I thought I really liked the hire on its own, like just. In and of itself, the guy who, like Kyle Trask was like a disaster prior to this past year and, yep. and was a Heisman finalist. Like this dude is, has impressive work. You look at what he did at Mississippi State with Dak. You look at kind of where he's been along the way. Played under Urban Meyer at Utah. Like I, and everything you hear, you listen to the clips of this guy talking about leadership and what he wants out of a quarterback and all that. Like I could not be more all in on Brian Johnson. Like I and again, I, I I will openly admit I knew nothing about him before yesterday, but I'm in. Like this guy seems like a leader. He seems like a, a coach. He seems like a. I'm. We'll get to the hurts part of this in a sec, but just the hire itself. Were you as enthused about Brian Johnson after reading and listening to him and seeing all this stuff as I am? Yeah, I was. I think he falls under the Gannon category of a candidate that probably had interest from other teams. Young, 
up and coming, like, but with an actual track record. So I, I mean, I would have been okay with him like being the offensive coordinator over Shane Steichen. Like, I, I think that like his track record, his resume, I, you know, it's probably better than Steichen's in some ways. But never coached at the NFL level, which isn't ideal. But as you mentioned, what he did with Kyle Trask, I think, is very, very impressive. Kyle Trask, I think he doubled his yards and his touchdowns under Brian Johnson. He got really good years out of Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. So, uh, you know, he had, he does certainly have some appealing parts of it, of his resume. Um, and you know, I, should we just get right into the quarterbacks now? It's so hard to talk about. Yeah. So, um, all right. So for those who don't know, and I'm sure most do by the time you're listening to this, but, uh, Brian Johnson, the Eagles, new Eagles quarterback coach, uh, knew Jalen hurts when he was four years old. He played yeah. under Jalen hurts, his father in high school. When Brian Johnson was in high school, Jalen hurts, his father was an assistant coach on his team. They've known each other since he's known the hurts family. He tried to recruit hurts to Mississippi state before he chose Alabama. There is as as deep a connection between a quarterback and a quarterback coach coming in as you could possibly think of. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he calls him Uncle Brian type of thing. You know, like the, <laughs> there is a real connection. I'm here. sure they've talked. Yeah, right? they of, must have talked. Right? Of course. What do you think about that connection? I know a lot of people are are making the leap, saying, "Oh, well, if they hired this guy, that means Wentz is gone." What do you think about the Brian Johnson hire as it relates to Hertz, and then of course Wentz? Well, it's interesting how with Nick Sirianni, the reaction was, oh, they did this. They, they hired this guy for Carson, yep. right? They're bringing the Colts to Carson. Like, da, da, da. Sirianni and Carson have literally no connection whatsoever. And then with Brian Johnson, he's hired, and the reaction is, well, you know, let's not let's not connect the dots too much when he's literally known Jalen Hurts almost hurts his entire life. So I, I think it's very obvious that, you know, it's like the Eagles talked to Brian Johnson about this. Brian Johnson knows Jalen Hurts is here. I mean, it's almost literally swapping out Carson's friend for for Hurts's friend, right? It's almost swapping. Press Taylor is not going to be back, so Press Taylor was Carson's boy, and now Brian Johnson has a relationship with with Jalen Hurts. So, you know, who knows what what they're going to do? But if this was if this if they hired Carson's quarterback coach or, or someone that Carson knows since he was four years old, the reaction would be, oh, they're definitely sticking with Carson. hundred percent. So we have to. We have to apply that same logic. Like this, this looks like a Jalen Hurts hire. It just absolutely does. Yeah, I don't know how you could look at it. Look, I don't think the hiring of Brian Johnson absolutely means Carson Wentz is gone. I actually think that even if Wentz and Hurts weren't here, like Brian Johnson could have gotten hired for this job, as we talked about outside of the Hurts connection. He is uber qualified for this position, and we both think he's going to be really good at it. So, like, and and again, like you said, from what you hear was a a hot young name in, in general coaching circles. Like people know about Brian Johnson. So so I, I think that the the hire stands on its own, regardless of the quarterbacks. But I mean, let's right. be real. Like you can't ignore it. It's, you, know, you can't just say, well, well, that doesn't mean anything at all. Like it it clearly does. Like it has to in well, some way. Think, and what do you think Carson thinks of it? Well, exactly. Right? So, That's the point. Like, when Carson sees this, he's like, you brought in Jalen's friend, his, like, family friend to be the quarterback coach? Really? Of course. Well, imagine of course. The quarterback and the Eagles have room. to think about that, too. <laughs> the Eagles have to think when they hire Brian Johnson, how will Carson take this? Yes, I, I agree. And so two things. One, just imagine the quarterback room, right, where there's already tension between Carson and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah. And now you bring in someone that – and look, I'm sure Brian is going to coach them both fairly. He might even be harder on Jalen Hurts. Who knows, having known him, right? But, like, I mean, him and Jalen have a history. Like, they're going to have inside jokes. They're going to have things to talk about. Like, they have a relationship. So if you're Carson, and who knows if Nate Sudfeld will be back, and who knows who the third quarterback will be. But, like, I don't know. It could feel a little two versus one in there if you're Carson, considering what you're – going what you've kind of already experienced with backup quarterback. So 
I think that's interesting. But also, I don't know if you saw this. I think you kind of referenced it. Um, shout out to John McMullen who tweeted this out. But I guess Brian Johnson had some type of series where he talked about quarterback fundamentals mm-hmm. and kind of what he looks for in a quarterback. And he listed the five things he wants. Have you seen this? Yeah, leadership, those things, yeah. I, I have them right here. Right, I heard. So. I actually heard some of it. Uh, Angelo on the uh, morning show was playing some of the cuts when he was talking about leadership okay. and stuff. That was part of why I was like in on Brian Johnson. Right. So, all right. Mental and physical toughness. Can they be the face of your program? I do think Carson checks off some of those boxes, but let's be honest, the way he's handling this thing, I don't know. Can he be the face of your program? I don't know if he checks that off. I think Jalen Hurts definitely checks those off. Leadership. Do they set the standard for your program? Who does that sound like, Carson or Jalen Hurts? Yeah. Definitely right. not. Decision yeah. making. Decision making. How fast can they process information? Carson does not get rid of the ball quickly. Jalen can do it. He didn't do it as much last year, but it was his rookie year. Well, but I think at that least it felt be- like he made quick decisions, whether he ran too quick or whatever is a separate discussion, but it did feel like he made quick decisions. To be fair to Carson, and again, I, I do think the ev- evidence somewhat contradicts it, but like if you read Tim McManus's article about Wentz, this week, which I thought was a very fair and balanced, you know, look into a lot of the things we knew, a lot of the issues that Wentz has with the organization and vice versa and the practice habits and all that type of stuff. Um, but he does talk about how the Eagles do believe Carson Wentz is an elite processor, even still to this day, um, even though we didn't, it doesn't jive with the, the, the what's happening on the field. Like, right. we've heard that. Like, we've heard that so many times. And, and that, that was part of the reason they gave him more control of the offense was because he was so good at that. So... I don't know. Like, I'm not ready to say he's bad at it, but I also am not ready to say that he's great at it. You know what I mean? Right. He certainly doesn't, in my opinion, check that box right now. Not right now, um, no. the, the next one, intelligence. I think they're they're both smart. Like, you would talk, you've talked a lot about Carson, you know, from the shoulder up. Like, I, st- I still think he does check that box. But again, 2020, if you're going up 2020, he doesn't check almost any box whatsoever for a quarterback. But if you look at his complete body of work, I think you can say Carson's intelligent. But I believe Jalen is too, so I think that's a tie. But to, to me, the one that really sticks out, like it factor, are they at their best when you need it the most? And I don't know, man, coming off 2020, everything he's dealing with the franchise, like is Carson dripping with it factor? No, I, I don't no. think so. Like no, look, I think, we've seen him I have Jalen it. like we've seen it have it in, in the past. Like Carson has had that it factor before, certainly in 2017 and really those four games at the end of 2019. 2019 yeah, like he had it. So it is it is there. It is possible. But obviously. And look, let's be real. Like. The fact that Carson Wentz has still not said a, a freaking word, like one word since the season has ended, since his head coach has been fired, since a new coach has been hired, like all this stuff, like all the reports that have come out about Carson Wentz that he has not set the record straight once. Like, and I don't count like leaking stuff as setting the record straight. Like the fact that Carson Wentz, not even on his fucking Twitter account, Elliot, has come mm, out and, and said a word, like said anything, like, like, that's not the way to ingratiate you to this fan base, no question. And it certainly does, like, put into question, like, what kind of leader is this guy? What kind of, you know, uh, how tough is this guy? All this type of stuff. Like, you question those things when when it feels like he's handling this whole thing so, so poorly. Well, all right. Here's my opinion on how Carson is handling this. I, I do think that if Carson wants to be back in Philadelphia and he wants this not to be a story and he doesn't want to read the reports and he doesn't want to, you know, deal with this stuff, then just come out and say something. And I, and I understand 
And I think there is truth to the people that say like, well, you know, if he comes out and says he wants to be here, everyone's just going to say he's lying. Like, yeah, there is going to be there is going to be some people that say that it him coming out and saying he wants to be here doesn't mean all those reports were wrong. Right. I do believe the reports that and I like like what are we talking about here? It's Schefter, Rappaport, Garrett yeah, exactly. All these people are like, saying he's, he's unhappy. Right. Like like the top three NFL reporters in the game right now are, are all saying they've heard this. So clearly there is something going on there. He and didn't for what it's worth, real quick, the, the Garofolo thing, like literally said he was quote unquote, like he wasn't just mad at Doug Peterson. There are hurt right. feelings all around. Right. So if you don't want to deal with that stuff, if you don't want to like not be able to open Twitter or like not be able to turn on WIP, not be able to read newspapers about what's going on with you, then come out and say something, even if you're lying, like just come out and talk about it. Right. So I think if he wants to be here, that's what he would do. In 2018, when, you know, Foles came in and he had to hurt back, like Carson talked at the end of that year, not exactly the same situation, but frankly, it's a lot of similarities other than the fact that Carson has snowballed this into a bigger situation. But when you said he's not handling it right, I agree if he wants to be back. He is acting like he does not want to be back. Like, I mean, me and you have been following sports our whole lives. Everyone that's listening has probably been following sports their whole lives. This is just like it always looks when a player wants out, you know, like he leaks it, he wants out. He doesn't talk to the media, right? He's he's disengaged from the team somewhat. Like this is what it looks like. And that's probably because that's what it is. So in that regard, I think Carson's probably making the right decision not to talk because it's not going to help him get out of Philadelphia. Now, unless you want to argue him talking de-escalates things and it increases his trade value. That was maybe. my thought. Yeah. But I, I like Carson wants out. I mean, like, I don't know what what other information or evidence people would want other than him flat out saying, I would like to be traded. I mean, other than the it's just like the Deshaun Watson thing outside of like a few vague tweets and then Deshaun reportedly officially asking for a trade like Carson hasn't done that yet. But it's clear that Carson wants out. I mean, name any other situation that's ever looked like this where it ended up being just completely false and it was just a bunch of smoke with no fire. Like, there are real issues there between Carson and the organization. And I don't think Carson is soft because of how he feels. I do believe he should be upset about them drafting Jalen Hurts. I think, honestly, like 2018, when his uh, when his back was hurt, like, I don't know. I, I wonder how that rubs him in terms of the fact that he probably felt he could have played. He could have played. So... I think all those things factor into this, but like he wants out. Like people need to stop lying to themselves about that. Maybe these reports aren't true, or maybe he doesn't feel this way. If he didn't feel this way. He has had ample opportunities to say it, just like he did in 2018 at the end of it. So I, I, I really believe that he wants out. And that's why he's not talking. No, and it's it. Look, it's hard to argue with that. And I, I think it's funny because we've spent so much of this time, you know, the last month of the season, the off season, with all the reports, all the leagues, we'll move talk, all that stuff. We've spent so much of it talking about what do the Eagles want to do? Who do the Eagles right. want? Do they want to save Carson because of the because of the contract? Do they still believe in Carson? Do they think he's fixable? Do they like Hurts enough? Like that, we've always just focused on it from the Eagles' perspective, without really talking about the fact that it might not matter at all what the Eagles want. Like, yes, of course they could force him to be here or something theoretically or whatever, but like it might just be that Carson just is like, I'm out, man. Like. Figure it yeah. out. Trade me. If you want me to help with the contract to trade, uh, we could talk about that. But, like, I'm not playing football for the Philadelphia Eagles next year. Like, that's certainly possible. It is. I mean, again, we don't know. We don't know enough. The reports, they're con conflicting reports. We've heard he wants to trade. Then we've heard he doesn't want to trade. He doesn't want out. And who the hell knows what to believe? I do agree with you. When you look at the situation logically, Occam's razor. Like, forget all the reports. Forget all the BS. Just 
on the face of it, that the fact that Carson Wentz has not talked, has not set the record straight, has not come out in, in, for any of these things, didn't mention it when Doug Peterson gets fired, Nick Sirianni, new coach, like all that stuff. Like, I think the, the simplest, easiest explanation for it is that Carson doesn't want to be back. I, I think you're right about that, Elliot. And and I also think that and look, that could to, change, to, like that could change. But I do think that that is that is where it's at right now. If I if I had to guess, yeah, it could change. But it's it's unfair to Nick Sirianni. And look, he he didn't have other job opportunities, so it's not like Nick Sirianni, you know, uh, could have gone elsewhere and decided to come here. But like flat out, it's not going to help Nick Sirianni that he has to deal with this in his first year as head coach. And that's why when everyone says this is for Nick Sirianni, like. I don't know. Like, why would you put Nick uh, Nick Sirianni, a 39-year-old first-time head coach at any level, into an incredibly complex, intense situation with Carson and Jalen Hurts? So, you know, when he calls, when he reportedly calls Carson, like, the first time you call your quarterback, you have to deal with all this baggage of, like, hey, man, I'm Nick Sirianni. I'm the head coach. So, like, do you want to play here? I mean, th- that's, like, an insane way to, you know, potentially. And I don't know if he said that, but I don't know what else they would have talked about, right? So, I just think the whole situation is messed up. I think I don't know if they view Jalen Hurts as the future. Maybe they don't. He was a late second-round pick. I think quarterback will be in play at number six. But this coaching staff, to me, does not scream fixing Carson. This coaching staff, to me, screams young quarterback and try to coach him up. Like, the Carson thing is too complicated and too tense and just— it's a, it's a losing situation to put a staff into. Look, I, I 100% agree. I, and I've thought that—I mean, how many times have I said too much baggage? Like, it's just— too much baggage. Carson needs to move on for himself. The Eagles need to move on for themselves. Like that's that's how I have felt for months at this, like two months now at this point. Like ever since it was like, all right, Carson stinks right now. Like he needs to sit down. And then the effects after that, like it's just uh, 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 from the outside in, it seems so obviously clear to me that Carson Wentz should not be an Eagle next year. It seems like the most obvious thing in the world. But then, you know, obviously, as you know, as we've talked about, we've had 8,000 conflicting reports since then. And, and, right. and, and then the question of the contract and this and there. Look, well, let me ask you about and his, there are a lot of people uh, who trade. feel like he is untradeable. Like, you know, I mean, Andrew Brand is out there like stumping it, like tweeting every day. I told you he's not going anywhere. Like there are people who believe that he's flat out not getting traded. So it, yeah. it is it is a real um, complicated and confusing situation. Elliot. So. I've been thinking a lot about Carson's trade value and you look around the league. Like, so it looks like clearly Deshaun Watson wants to be traded. So he's potentially available. Um, Matthew Matt Stafford, Stafford yep. is now available. Like, uh, Sam Darnold is available. Probably. Uh, so we assume. Let's we assume. Yeah. But like a lot of quarterbacks are going to be available and it looks like a lot could change teams. Jimmy Garoppolo, potentially Jared Goff, Ryan like, Fitzpatrick, so let me, Fitzpatrick, Dak Prescott might be a free agent. So let me ask you this. Do all those guys being available hurt or help the chances that Carson is traded? I mean, I think hurt, right? It's a surplus on the market. Well, here's why I think it might help. And if you want to say why you think it hurt, hurt well, you I, go I, first. My, but- mine's very simple. Mine's basic economics that the more options, like I think a certain portion of teams are going to draft a young quarterback and that's going to be their thing that they do and, and move forward with Lawrence or Wilson or Fields or whoever it is. And then there's a portion of teams looking for quarterbacks, moving on from quarterbacks or whatever. And when there's, you know, a, a surplus of those quarterbacks in the market, especially ones where Stafford will be should be easier to trade for. It depends on him wanting a new deal and all that. And Watson obviously is just way more valuable than Wentz. Like I, I just I feel like there's more options out there for teams. So if you don't want to like unless the Eagles are willing to 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 take something cheap, you know, or cheaper than what you would have thought 
Like, I just feel like why would you give up something of value for Wentz when you can instead be in on Watson or be in on Stafford or whatever? You know what I mean? So here would be my argument as to why I think it in some ways helps. First, you mentioned there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks changing hands, and that that's true, right? It, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks available. But those teams also have to acquire quarterbacks. Like, there's only going to be three quarterbacks in the draft where you could really say, okay, like they drafted their guy. Maybe the kid out of North Dakota State, right? But, like, I don't think anyone's viewing uh, Mac Jones out of Alabama as, like, their franchise quarterback. I don't think, uh, you know, like, so I think there's three know. there. I mean, someone could. Like, I mean. Maybe, but my, my point is happens. with quarterback I mean, movement, like Patrick a lot of Mahomes teams was the 13th pick in the draft. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't her 12th pick in the draft or whatever, you know? True, yeah. But I just mean with a lot of quarterbacks moving, that means a lot of teams are going to need quarterbacks as well. Like, if the Lions trade Stafford, they then need a quarterback. The Texans are going to need a quarterback. The Jets. So, like, I think there'll be a lot of available places for Carson to go. But, Outside of that, I do wonder if, let's say you're a team in need, let's say you're the Bears, who feel like a good example of, they're not going to draft one, they want to trade for a good one, they're, you know, they're going to look around. Do you trade three ones for Deshaun Watson or a second for Carson? Well, that's what I mean. That's what I was saying to you before about the the Eagles are going to have to be very realistic about Carson's value and undercut those other prices. Like, that's the way you trade Carson in a surplus market, is you say, oh, like, the Lions are asking for two ones for Stafford, the Houston's asking for three ones for Deshaun Plus. We'll give you Carson for a third. How about that? Let's go. You know what I mean? That's the way they get him traded. I agree with that. I think that could happen. But the other one is, and this is strictly a narrative one that no one's probably thinking about in the Eagles' office, but I think, you know, it matters somewhat that – if Deshaun's not, if Deshaun Watson isn't traded, if Stafford isn't traded, if it's just like a normal offseason for quarterbacks and Carson is traded, it's way more of a big deal. Like it's the top story in the league. The Eagles are talked about a lot more. If we see like 16 quarterbacks cha- change teams, it falls a little, the spotlight falls off the Eagles a little bit, just in the way that the narrative becomes more, wow, look at this new age of quarterbacks always changing. And like, can you really commit to somebody for a long time? And like all that type of stuff. And I wonder if that would soften the blow of the PR standpoint, at least, of the Eagles trading Carson. Yeah, I, I, I that makes sense. I, I look, I think the PR blow at this point, like, I don't think there's anyone who's gonna rip them at this point in this city, at least. Like, their fan base is is good. Like, I think the vet, like, there are some people who want Carson around, but I think most of the fan base has moved on, or at least, if not moved on, has come to to grips with the fact that Carson could get traded and potentially certainly way more than used to be exactly exactly so um I I I think that's an interesting theory and part of it I I think ultimately it's going to come down to them being very very realistic about his value because again like yes there you need the the one coach who's like I can fix him I remember I look at the tape from from 2017 2019 be like I can get that guy like that's what you need but like I mean, all they got to do is put on last year's tape and be like, why would I trade for this guy? You know, so I know that there'll be people yeah. who want to fix him, but I mean, it, I don't, the value's not there comparative to the contract and all that. So it is, it's going to be fascinating. I ultimately, and look, for what it's worth, Ian Rappaport to kind of present the counter was on with Angelo today. And he literally quote unquote said, I think Carson Wentz is very tradable. Like use those words. And, and I agree with that. Yeah. And you always, you've been very strong on, on that side from the beginning. Right. That, like, Hey, they can trade Carson Wentz. So, look, it's going to be fascinating. Like, they're not going to have to package a pick with Carson yeah, to trade I don't, like, that's I didn't absurd. think so either. Yeah. I was always with you on that. I do think the the surplus market, the more robust market, could make them maybe have to take a little less. But I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I do think they can trade. Would you agree they don't get anything less than a third? Yeah, I think they get a third or, or a second, probably, yeah. 
Yeah, I, well, first of all, I don't even know if they would trade him for less than a third, but I think a third's the worst well, they Well, again, I, real quick, that's like if Carson wants to be gone, they might not have a choice. You trade him for what you can get to get out of the contract and all that other stuff. You know what I mean? True. I, I don't, yes, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I will say I don't think the Eagles are going to, like, trade him for a fifth. Yeah, I, just, I well, don't think they'd do I, it, like, I, even I, if Carson I, wants to be gone. You think but. they'd rather have him as a backup next year? Like a thirty-four no, million dollars. They would. I think they would make him the starter. Wow. So you. Think I'm not they, saying that's what I would do, but, but I'm you saying think you think they're going to trade Carson for a fifth? I don't. Well, think I don't. So. But hold up, hold up. The whole basis of this conversation: if Carson wants gone, like Carson wants out, and then the Eagles. So like you're going to bring a guy back who doesn't want to be here, who you don't even want here in theory. Like based on the the what we're talking about in this conversation, that the you know the um guidelines of this conversation, the idea that a guy who doesn't want to be here, who you really don't believe in that much you want to trade you want to get rid of the contract but if you can't get enough for him you're just going to make him the starter like that's crazy yeah look, yeah i think those are fair points maybe you're right maybe they will just trade him at that point i would trade him obviously i'm just saying the idea of trading carson for a fifth is pretty absurd considering everything oh, they've I invested agree. in him I, but again like where there are people saying you can't trade him without giving up picks you know what i mean like yeah, but those I, people are wrong I, you know like i think so too right. i think so too but i'm just saying like you know it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. Look, and if he wants out and you don't want him and you that with the cap stuff and all that, like trade him for whatever. Like, right? I mean, in theory, yeah, I, I would sure. I would trade him for nothing if that's the best offer I have. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. All right, last thing before we get out of here unless you have something else. Uh, shout out to Juice Daly. Uh, I mean, we haven't spoken since he officially left the Eagles uh, with the Lions now put out a, a really heartfelt letter for Philadelphia and uh all I have to say is, good for you, Deuce. Good for you, man. Like, good for you for finally getting out of here and going somewhere where maybe they'll appreciate you better. Um, you know, you've been passed over so many times here. Like, I, I don't blame him one bit. I will root for Deuce wherever he goes. I hope he's head coach someday somewhere. And uh, I'm going to miss Deuce, man. I mean, I feel bad he has to work with Dan Campbell. Like, that's... My dude, don't mess with Dan Campbell. He'll bite your kneecaps off, Don't mess with Dan. For what it's worth, he's putting putting together a. It's it's like tongue in cheek, my guy. Um, he is uh he's put together a staff that that I do think players will will respect. Like it's a lot of like leadership type guys there. Yeah, Anthony Lynn. Like I'm not a big Hard Knocks guy, but when I saw that guy talk on Hard Knocks, I'm like, oh wow, like he's a leader. Like that's a whatever else about the football stuff. It does feel like they've got. A lot of guys there. I saw Chris Long tweet something like he was like, this is a coaching staff that players will absolutely buy yeah. into or whatever. So I, I do think it's an interesting staff. Well, let me just say this. Wait till you see Shane Steichen talk. All right, before you get all excited. Can't wait for that one. Yeah. Um, all right, I do have one last thing. Final so thought? I was on with the Cameron, Richie, and you, obviously, on I think this was Tuesday about the I was right about Carson Wentz tour by Joe DeCamera. Mm-hmm. And John Ritchie brought up how I was wrong about Alshon versus Jordan Matthews, right? Caught me on the spot a little. But let me ask you, James, who has more catches in an Eagles uniform, Jordan Matthews or Alshon Jeffrey? Who has more important catches in an Eagles uniform? Wasn't the question. Wasn't the question. <laughs> I know it wasn't. <laughs> Who threw? Who uh? You know who seems to have their quarterbacks back and who doesn't? This is called going down with the take, and I appreciate it. There we are. So I, I wish I could have known. I wish I could remember that on the radio, but I looked it up because I mean he did have a ton of catches. So, oh man. But that being said, the catch he had in the Super Bowl was, like I said, the best catch I've ever seen. I think it's better than the one-handed Odell catch. So. See, there we go, bringing it back around. Yeah. It's funny how neither of those guys ended. I mean, Jordan Matthews probably more loved. 
uh, after the, Maybe, <laughs> I, I guess. I I don't, at a certain point, looks. we're like, oh, yeah, Alshon won us a Super Bowl. I love that guy. So People do hate Alshon, though. No one really but, hated Jordan Matthews. Well, it's, but, but the Wentz thing, it could turn. Maybe people would be like, oh, oh wow, Alshon was right about Wentz. How about that? Well, it's, it's also just so funny how the Alshon thing, and there's more to it than just like, the report, you know, the the report or rumor that he was the one behind the Josina leak. But it's funny how that quote was so like mundane. It was like yeah, he just has to like check it down more, and it's turned into like Alshon the snake, the backstabber, like talking trash about Carson. Like the quote itself was like very tame and not that exciting. But you know, the narrative has taken over, so it doesn't matter. So how about this? We do as we're literally still breaking news. Uh, Carson Wentz has tweeted, but not about what we want him to. Uh, so Carson had not tweeted at all since December. Uh, just put out a tweet. Congrats, Rodney McLeod, on your hard work being recognized. You got the Eagles community cheering you on. Shout out to Nationwide NFL for supporting the Walter Payton Man of the Year. It's a nationwide ad. So it's an ad he's tweeting out. So I guess we can't can't do too much with that in terms of what it means. All right. So, all right. This is my initial take on it. Like, buddy, pal, like, it's really cool that <laughs> you're, you're tweeting for Rodney McLeod. Like, I respect that. That's, you know, I got Rodney's do. the best. But, He's my favorite, like, just an awesome guy. But if I'm reading this correctly, you're telling me the first time Carson has tweeted, <laughs> it was an ad? Yes. Like, come on, man. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, and then I'm looking around. It looks like a bunch of other players have done it as well. But, nah, that's... I don't know. Again, props to Rodney. It's cool that Carson did it, but like, this is what you tweet with hashtag ad. I, like, whatever. whatever. Carson. I just think that's Carson. So, yeah, it's just, it's very, you know, it's just, he's, he's got someone in his corner to help him with his, yeah, with like he needs some help. This, that with between the leaks and the way, like, it is not coordinated or well done. No, like, he needs somebody that, yeah, yeah. he needs a media so. strategist, as they say. But shout out Rodney. Yeah, you know? Rodney's the best. I love that guy. And that's yes, a, that's yeah. a big honor, like really a wonderful honor, the Walter Payton man of the year. Hopefully he wins it. Um, all right. <laughs> like, What'd what? you say? Last thing, like, just last thing. Like, look, if you're going to congratulate Rodney, then congratulate Rodney. Don't do it with nationwide ad in it. Yeah, you I, know, like, I, I know he's getting paid for it, I'm sure. But yes, I agree with you in general. Right. The basic level, yes. Um, all right. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Parks Picks Pod, we'll talk about the big game and, and go into – uh, kind of our just general thoughts about the game and some gambling stuff as it goes. And then, of course, Saturday, we will be on WIP 1-3 to three to react to the Nick Sirianni press conference from tomorrow. Of course, that'll be in the feed as well. But if you want to call us, get involved, 215-592-9494. We love it if you tell the producer your podcast listener to go to the top of the line. All right, until tomorrow. Um, He's Elliot. I'm James. Talk to you guys soon.